Good afternoon and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience, where we're experiencing all kinds of love and light and fun and having a great time. Hey, Eric, how are you doing today, my man? Good afternoon, Susan. Happy Friday. I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I had eye surgery uh, this last week, so I'm kind of uh, still a little bit blurry. <laughs> You're a little bit blurry? Oh, yeah. my goodness. What, what happened? Well, I got PRK surgery, which takes, uh, it's kind of like LASIK, uh, but it takes a little bit longer to heal and get to, you know, 2020 vision. So uh, I'm still healing. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, getting there slowly. Take care of yourself. Do you, oh, are you wearing good. like the glasses with the little holes in them or something? Or No, no holes, no? but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have like uh, safety goggles that I had to sleep in there for a few days. So. Yeah. Yes, so you don't do something stupid in your sleep, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, cool. I didn't, they protected me, and as far as I know, I didn't do anything stupid in my sleep. So it's been an well, not that you remember anyway. That's right. It's been an interesting few days, but uh, yeah, um, I'm glad to talk to you again. Glad to talk to you too again, even though we can't see each other, and you, I would be blurry anyway. So, but <laughs> right. I'm coming up. I'm coming up to Seattle in August to see my eye doctor. What a coinkydink! What a coinkydink! Yes, <laughs> eye stuff, eye stuff. And so, um, I wanted you to know that I have with me um, a gentleman who was on the show with us. Um, you know, uh, two weeks ago, do you remember uh, Steve sure. from two weeks ago? Yes. Yes, and so I think we're I should about probably. Gold, right? We're talking about gold and treasure and Spanish stuff, and we're talking about uh, uh, Montezuma, and we're talking about all kinds of stuff. So I just want to say hi, Steve Blumender. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Nice to be here again. Thank you. So um, I've captured him here with me uh, so he, he can't escape and he can't talk over me because I can just punch him in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting week in the news, huh? Definitely. Supreme Court. Now, the one decision I'm not real happy about was they decided that it's okay for a, uh, an employer to have their religion trump their employees' right to have the medical care they need in terms of getting uh, birth, birth control. control. Right. And, you know, because women's rights don't mean anything. They're not really super important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there is a solution to this dilemma, and it's called Medicare for All, single payer. You don't have to get your insurance through the in, your employer, you get have your own insurance. That bypasses that. And the problem solved. See, there's always an answer. Okay, so moving on to the other Supreme Court decisions. Um, I wanted to mention first, though, I was up in New Mexico this past week. Uh, as as you know, I was wasn't uh, live on the air last uh, Friday. Uh, because I was in New Mexico uh, doing research for this project that Steve and I are really excited about, right? That's right. It's going to be a great project. Amazing. I mean, it's just every day new stuff is coming in for us. It, I, it's amazing to me how quickly this has moved. I mean, we, we started this just, what, less than two months ago? Oh, yeah, a month ago. month ago. I mean, it's just every day something new and different, and it's, it's just fascinating stuff. But I, while I was in New Mexico, uh, my friend, I love her dearly. She's a wonderful person. She kept trying to give me this information of saying that, well, COVID-19, there's more, you know, there are more people that die from car accidents, which is a false equivalent uh, to be <laughs> more people that died in Vietnam, another false equipment, equivalent, you know, and the flu and all of this. And I found this article because I'm like, okay, I remember reading. She something. sure likes to practice whataboutism, doesn't she? What about this? <laughs> what would happen if um, this? Yeah. So anyway, I said, she said, well, well, where do you get your facts? And I couldn't actually tell her right at the moment because, you know, it's so ingrained. Now, this article was written two months ago, May 9th, almost exactly two months ago. Okay. 
But at that time, which is interesting, which also goes to my point, at that time they were saying that um, uh, as of May 8th, the corona uh, death toll in the United States was at more than 75,000. And I believe uh, today it stands at more than 135,000. Which isn't quite double yet, but we're getting pretty there. close. We're getting there, pretty close to double what it was two months ago. So I think that that's really uh, important to say that in two months it is almost double. So when you start looking at things like uh, the flu, you're trying to compare. Well, it says like the Vietnam War that five fifty-eight thousand two hundred twenty American casualties. But that was over the course of the entire war. Right. Even if you use that figure, it's still, well, hello, that doesn't cover it. Uh, and you're talking a few months with COVID-19. Uh, and then another death toll, uh, that the opioid crisis. Why have more people died from that? Well, again, uh, it said in 2016, 64,000 Americans died of a drug overdose. But only about 70% of those were opioid overdoses. So that doesn't really mean anything. And all of the sources that debunked this claim that uh, it's COVID-19, there aren't as many deaths from that as from these other sources, were all, were all debunked. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, was an article in USA Today uh, two months ago. So I just think it's important that we uh, that we take a look at that. And then... Remember how I was whining that my governor, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. My governor, Ducey, here in Arizona, uh, opened up. I said, he's opened up too soon. We haven't flattened. This is going to be crazy. And guess what happened in Arizona? Well, aren't they closing things back down? Because, I mean, you're, you're spiking again, aren't you? We're spiking again. Yeah. But they're not fully closed. Would you say everything was closing down here, Steve? I'd say it was semi-true. Yeah, semi-true. They're really struggling with right now the, how they're going to do schools. That's really kind of their focus, even though they do want to shut down the restaurants. They've, everyone has to walk around with masks. I shouldn't say it that way. Everyone, <laughs> everyone uh, must wear I a always mask. wear a mask. When you always can't wear. social distance. Right. Yeah. I'm not wearing a mask right now, um, but I'm not worried in this situation. We're six feet apart, social distancing. But as far as Arizona, makes you wonder if being in the South where it's hot, if they had this this uh, COVID uh, backwards, thinking that maybe it was a fall wintertime thing, or maybe it escalates in the heat. Who yeah. knows? Well, here's the other thing, too. The heat they're talking about is like 150 degrees oh, I know. to kill it. So it you'll, will you'll get there in August. Like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably reach 116 this in a week. Oh, my gosh. But, but it's not. That's hot. I'll admit that's hot. 120 is really hot. That's brutal. But if it gets over, if it, I think 122 may be a, like a the highest we've had, what would you say? I don't know. Yeah, I think so because the airlines didn't have a uh, They could, a the pro- tires couldn't. Well, they didn't have a process that the pilots could use to take off when the temperature was that high. Mm-hmm. So since they didn't have anything that they could fall back on, they gave them instructions, they closed it down. But I think that was the hottest temperatures, I think 120, 121, yeah. when they closed the airport. So, and that's hot. I'll, you know, Eric, come on down. I got a swimming pool. <laughs> it's the surface of the sun. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but it's a lot as hot as 150. True. So if it were 150 here, uh, it, that would be deadly yes. to humans as well as COVID. Right. I mean, we're all going to die. Right. Woohoo! So um, be the first one on your box to have your boy come home in the box. No, that was an old song from the 60s, Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah, for mine, my mind, you know how my mind goes. Well, you, you, you've mentioned the Vietnam War that this person you See, were arguing not... with uh, right. had, you know, said, well, more people died in Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. Boy, if we could have prevented Vietnam by wearing masks, don't you think we would have? <laughs> yeah. That, 
I had not thought of that, Eric. That is really brilliant on All your these, part. These false equivalencies, you know, they, they, exactly. these are things. Yes, we take steps to prevent them. We, but we even wear seatbelts. We have right. airbags. We take steps. See, Eric, you need to be. You need to work with the assistant secretary of the army and suggest that they next time they go to war use masks. and ninety fives. I'm Those sure in in certain instances they are definitely doing, but they they you know they prepare themselves for the danger, right? You know they are right, they're right. supposed to have good equipment right. to Weapons, try and protect the soldiers. Armor, yes, exactly, yeah. all of the above. You know, so false false uh, equivalencies aside and all. Uh, we all need to. And I was one of the things I was looking up today on COVID is. Why are there so few cases in Africa? And they haven't come up with a clear thing. Now, of course, one of the things in this article, which I don't know where it is now, I just looked at it earlier, uh, said that most of the rest of the world, especially the European-American aspect of it, thinks that Africa can't succeed at anything anyway. We have a really kind of an arrogant view towards Africa. But a lot of African nations shut down immediately. I mean, draconian shutdowns, okay? And we don't know. We don't know if they're going, if it's going to just hit there later or, or what. But did they, did they do a preventative thing by really hitting it hot and heavy and say, we're, 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 we're closing everything? Okay. Now I haven't done enough research to figure that out, but I that was what I was looking at when I was looking at world stats today. That because Brazil is right behind us, but I mean, well, not immediately. We're way up. We're number one. We're number one. It took us a while under Trump to get here, but we're right. number one. <laughs> number one in COVID cases. Yeah, kind of sad. So I was looking at other Supreme Court decisions uh, this week, too. There's been some really interesting things. We, you know, we already know women don't count and women's health issues don't matter because somebody else's religion is going to decide what you can or can't do with your body. Just saying. Just saying. So that's my view. You don't seem to have much to say on that, Eric. Uh, well, you know, I... You're being sarcastic, of course. I just want to clarify for folks that think that oh, you're endorsing this point of view that women's <laughs> women's rights don't matter. Yes. yes, I am being sarcastic, people, if you miss that. It's like the people that thought Stephen Colbert was real when he was on the comedy right. channel. Sure. That, that, that they didn't quite get the humor. <laughs> well, what I don't understand about the, uh, you know, the objection to birth control uh, being paid for uh, by, you know, insurance that the employers are, are paying and they are objecting to that on moral grounds or whatever. Aren't they pro-life or, I mean, that's the argument that they make. So if birth control prevents abortions, so wouldn't you go be all in on that? Oh, no, because women are not in charge. And it's again, <laughs> right, but it just, again, it's a logical fallacy though. I mean, it's right, just, right. you know, if they're talking well, about the, the moral thing being that they're, they, they, they're pro-life, they're anti-choice, they're anti-abortion. So therefore we're going to say no to birth control, but that means more unwanted pregnancies, which means more no. abortions, which means they're feeding what they don't want. Eric, you did not know that women were walking incubators. That's their function. Well, Eric, you're touching on a huge subject, brother. (laughs) I'm just saying they really need to think this through. When I do pay for, for birth control, they're also, you know, not promiscuous. They're not, you know, out of wedlock, yada, yada. So that, that's a huge, deep subject. It is. Of course. all. All the data shows otherwise. But, oh, of yeah, of yeah. course. Data, you silly boy. Who looks at <laughs> data when I have my my moral opinion? My moral opinion is stronger than your facts. Again, sarcasm if I have to explain this. <laughs> okay, so 
One of the things that fascinated me was um, that, uh, you know, Bunker Boy was in uh, two suits that... He's Bunker like, Boy. That's what I call Trump. Trump. <laughs> Bunker Boy. Anyway, uh, the Supreme Court looked at uh, two things regarding his uh, tax returns. And one of them is they're saying, okay, they both have to go to a lower court back to a lower court. That's where the issue is. But the one uh, I think is still going to go, should be able to go through pretty quickly, the New York mm -hmm. uh, suit. Yes. The other one is the Congress, that Congress needs to narrow their, their, what they're asking for. None of that will happen before the election is what uh, I read. Now, I don't know if that's true. It's possible it could. That appears to be the case, that it's going to be yeah. tied up in court. Uh, because mm -hmm. the Supreme Court uh, punted, basically, uh, back punted. to the lower right. courts. Yeah, That's right. But he, Roberts did it in such a brilliant way that he looks good to everybody. <laughs> so um, there, was a, there were two other decisions that really hit home for me, and one of them was the Oklahoma decision that eastern Oklahoma is uh, Indian territory. It's Indian country. Now, they're going to work and it's not going to be people, people that are non-native are not going to lose their homes or not going to, do you know what I mean? It's not going to, nothing like that's going to happen. Right. But it is really a big win for native rights. And what they said, the essence of this was we made a treaty 200 years ago and we, we broke that treaty. Oh, hark. You know, in Oklahoma, the big joke is always... This is your land as long as the grasses grow and the rivers flow. Or 30 days, whichever comes first. Hmm. <laughs> so as soon as we find oil somewhere, we move you over here, you know. Um, so th that is saying that these treaties have, and this is going to affect a lot of other areas in our country after right. Oklahoma because yeah. of the of all the treaty violations. So that's a, that's a has a decision that's going to have some really long-term uh, impact. Mm -hmm. And the other one, as you are aware, we started covering Standing Rock. They started in April, and I think we started covering it uh, late May, early June. But nobody else was talking about it except Susan Harmon. And <laughs> we, we were covering that on the show. And I have said over the past four years, Standing Rock wasn't the end. It was the beginning. It was starting something. And the Supreme Court just said that Dapple is going to have to go back. I mean, this is a big win for Standing Rock uh, because they're, uh, the, they've ordered the uh, access pipeline to shut down. And this is a huge victory for, uh, for the Sioux on this. So the shutdown will remain in place pending completion of a full environmental review, which normally takes several years and the issuance of new permits. It may be up to a new administration to make final permitting decisions. So this is a big win. And that all falls on the, the black snake prophecy. And we've talked about this on the show, but it's been a while. And the black snake prophecy is an old prophecy that says when the black, if, they, if you don't kill the black snake, it's going to destroy the land and destroy the people. And the black snake is the oil coming down and destroying I don't know how many millions of people depend on the water in that watershed that this pipeline will leak into, which is not going to happen now. And I think that that's a huge win. It's a huge win for humanity. It's a huge win, not just for Standing Rock, but for we people who are 95% water. We need water. And I, I looked it up, Hopi Prophecy, too, uh, today, saying that the Hopis... You know, that they believe that spirit, you know, spirit is real and it's more real than this illusion we call the real world. And everything is spirit. You know, we, we talked in, in back in the day, many were not when many Wakona, I never said right initially, many Wakona, which means uh, water is life. And the water protectors said, we are not going to fight the police that are coming after us and doing all of this here in North Dakota, we're going to fight it spiritually. We're not going to use weapons. We're, our weapon is prayer. 
And I think this is important for all of us right now to get that if we want to use a weapon, the weapon we use is prayer and love. You, you cannot, you can't change the darkness by being dark. You can only do it by shining light into the dark. And that is important for us to do. And, and you may wonder what all this has to do with what Steve and I are doing. Steve's logic is very linear, which is really good for me because my logic is very circuitous. And I he's laughing at me right now. You're laughing at me. I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> because I go around to get to where I want to go. Steve goes in a straight line. The other day he suggested to me, and I was getting really irritated. He said, I get up in the morning and I make a list and I have one list. It's the phone calls I have to make. I have another list of the places I have to be. What was the third list? Well, it was see, do, call. See, do, call. Okay, see, do, call. And I'm like, okay, I just write down whatever comes to my mind first. And it might be 18 or 20 things, but I may not do them 1 through 20. I'll just skip around and do them as, as I get to them. I still get everything done. Okay. <laughs> okay. He doesn't like the way I think, but that's just the way it is. So I just thought that this whole thing with uh, the with the Standing Rock and with Oklahoma is opening up a lot of things. And so with the Hopis, they're saying, you know, everything is spirit. Um, and one of the things that really struck me is the tree and I have the same DNA. So when I breathe out, the tree breathes in. And so this is one of the things with COVID, with wearing a mask, we become, I believe, this makes us more aware of our breath. And breathing is life and water is life. So if I provide the, the tree what it needs and the tree provides me with what I need, there's this continuity of life. This means that spirit is living. So Steve and I, when we initially met, he told me about Victoria Peak, which which his family has all the salvage rights to. Um, there's there's gold that his great uncle Doc Noss found there, bricks of gold, which pretty much were. Uh, I think it's pretty well agreed that Spanish gold that the Spanish were were taking, correct? Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yes, uh -huh. right. Right, and 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 my uh, every time he would come up out of the out of the cavern, he would be telling my aunt what he found and she made a list of of items they were more like uh swords and and uh helmets and breastplates and and jewelry and things such as that uh, it was later on that he actually brought up what he thought was uh, pig iron right pig iron, right? Yeah. yeah and then what did she say to him i think your, your aunt was a really smart well, woman she was all she was a lot like you uh, -huh. uh he tossed them out she he wanted she wanted him to bring them up. He fought it for a while, and then he did, and he tossed them, tossed them out, and at her feet, and they scraped some rock, and that's when she picked it up and said it. She cleaned it off and said, "This looks like gold," which he hadn't bothered to even check to see, or you know, scratch them or see what it was. He just thought it was pig iron. So that's how that all. Evolved and they simpler, and then what he took his knife out and then goes oh my goodness you're shaved right. off some exactly mm -hmm. huh? well your aunt was the smart one I the part of the story that I loved was when she was selling insurance door to door tell tell this story it's so cool so yeah he uh, she and Doc were separated this time and always needing money so she was selling insurance door to door to make some money. And then she goes to this gentleman's residence and he opens the door and he's rushing off, getting dressed in a rush, talking to her and yelling at her. And she's, you know, trying to get him to settle down and trying to do her pitch for insurance. And uh, as he's almost ready, he's, he's, he's pushing her out of the way and said, man, we got to I got to go. I, I need to go down to the essay office and and get this uh, uh, mine and claim in my name. That the old Doc Noss mine claims running out today and I need to go down there and get my name. Because he's nowhere around to do that. He little does this man know who he's talking to. Yeah, he doesn't know he's talking to uh, his wife. So on hearing that, she went to Santa Fe, and being the, uh, and it was, and it, 
the process with New Mexico was that the family members had a chance to redo the claim in their name up through the end of that business day. So even if someone was there ahead of her, um, she went in and she actually, actually tried to put the claim in Doc's name, but he was not there. It was only the person that was physically present could the claim go in, and that's how she got the claim in her name. She told Doc reason why, and they probably didn't like it, but that's that's how it's remained in the family uh, ever since. But it was the right thing to do. See, my right. sense is spirit moved it that way. This I don't be- I believe coincidence is two incidents happening simultaneously, not randomly, but they're there. That she would go to this guy's door and find out that that was the day and then go down there and then be unable to put it in his name because she was a very righteous woman. She never married after he remarried and did all of that. She wanted to put it in his name and couldn't, and it ended up in hers, but that's what's benefited the family today. Right. So I think that all those things happen for a reason. Reason because there has to be timing in everything that's done. Everything, life is all about timing, you know, because, you know, drama is easy. Comedy is hard because it's all about timing. (laughs) So we're going to take a moment of time uh, for our uh, break, take a little sponsor break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about what Steve and I are doing because what we're interested in, this is only, you know, a, a Victoria Peak is just one tiny little piece of what we're interested in. We're looking at different, uh, mostly Montezuma's gold uh, and other treasures throughout the whole western part of the United States. And even, we may even be able to go as far as Georgia. We're not even sure yet. But we're in the process of saying, okay, there's treasure. But we're getting, I'm getting so much psychic download on this. It's every day. I've even called in several other psychics to help me with this because it's so powerful, the information. But the main thing that we're wanting to look at is to coming at this from spirit and looking at the actual native legends that are going on and honor that and find a way to, to say that, okay, however this falls out, Everybody has to be honored and everything has to be done in integrity and based in spirit. So we're going to come back and talk more about all of this, this amazing project that we're doing as soon as you get to hear the good stuff on the break. Stay tuned to Susan Harmon Experience for more scintillating conversation. Are you ready to become comfortable in your own skin? The Vast Institute's encouraging curriculum is designed to infuse your world with optimism and creative life solutions. Our four pillars of learning provide a holographic toolkit taking you to the next level. If you're ready to experience a quality of life currently beyond your imagination, call us at 206-935-7872 or visit our website at vastinstitute.com to discover how to enrich your life at work or play. From Susan Harmon's private collection, these rare finds are now available for purchase until the end of June 2020. Quartz crystals that are large generators, rare Antarctic crystals with only three available. Russian phenakite, just one amazing specimen left. Czech moldavite of medium-sized high-quality pieces and various spears. Check out the pictures at Susan Harmon's Facebook page or email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206. 206- 8535225 that's 2068535225 On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Carl Petrie, a gifted medium and ghost researcher for a lively round of metaphysical Q&A. On Saturday, Kim Stanwood Terranova makes her debut on our show, talking about her book, The Technology of Intention. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Susan Harmon is offering a 20% discount on a bi-locality session if booked by June 15, 2020. Social distancing? No problem. You receive the energy in one location while Susan uses stones and sound in the pyramid at another location. 
to book your session or to ask about a three-session special, email susan at susanharmon.com or call 206-853-5225. That's 206-853-5225. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Susan Harmon Experience. I have Steve here with me, and um, we're going to be talking until we break for uh, Vass Institute. Uh, they do this marvelous segment. It's a taste of original thinking, and it's mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful. And that's coming you know, up in about 10 minutes. Yeah, in about 10 minutes, six core competencies to thrive by is all what it's about today. And so Michelle, man, she just she just kind of puts these once I learn to talk, I'll be fine. Puts these puzzle pieces together and teaches skill sets. She does some really amazing stuff. I would really like to recommend Vast Institute. If you want to evolve, if you want to do this, get hold of Michelle. She is an absolutely amazing woman, and she can do a lot to make your life move forward in a very positive way. I mean, she combines spirituality and mentality and thinking and emotion all together. And and she's a she's a cool person. She's a friend of mine, and uh, I like her a lot. So Vast Institute. Stay tuned after Steve and I finish up to six core competencies to thrive by. That is the taste of original thinking episode that will be on today. So, Steve, you and me, what are we doing? Do we know? Well, we have a, we have a direction that we're going. And it's interesting. I never really looked at it, the, the, the origination of of all these artifacts and, and treasure, the origination of it in a way that you have, that, that you've kind of like, oh, my eyes to the, more than just, it's been placed there. Um, and it's really interesting to, an exciting piece to take a look at and take a deeper dive into to, to understand all of that and how it affects the culture of, of, of those that it affected at that period of time, centuries ago and even just you know, a uh, uh, hundred years ago with the American Indians when they were being forced and corralled, if you will, from the, the East and the American West to actually ending up here in the Arizona, New Mexico area and the impact that they had upon all of this stuff and, and of course, uh, history. And it really was interesting. I was telling you that story, remember when... Um, Doc was down down below, way deep in the in the in the mountain, and had an American Indian with him, and he wanted to take him to a bigger room that where there was more stuff, and they had to cross an underground stream, and the American Indian said no. Well, okay, so he didn't want to go for this. Like he probably, my thinking was he'd had enough. Okay, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> it's getting, this is really getting deep and it's scary. But you had a different take on it, which really uh, is enlightening and offers a different view of that culture and how they see this stuff versus just how we see it. Yeah, it was because my view, um, for those of you who don't know, I did a lot of work with spirits and ghosts up in Seattle. And a lot of people don't know that there's all these underground rivers there. And I knew that the underground rivers were spirits traveled on. So somebody had said, there's all this ghost activity. This is over in North Seattle, uh, you know, around this mental hospital that's shut down. Can you go over there and do something? And the people are saying the ghosts are appearing in their houses. Well, some of the ghosts were attached to the land, but others were just, you know, like looking up and, hey, what's this? What's this going on from these underground rivers? I realized after Steve is telling me this about the river, the first thing I said was the guy didn't want to cross the river because spirits are traveling on those rivers. And that was the reason. And he looked at me like, what? You know, but I know that it is a fact that as far as Montezuma's gold is, which is hidden in other caves in that area, in New Mexico, because we've spoken with someone else. I did some interviews up in New Mexico last week. I spoke to a relative of a man who had found a cave that was definitely Montezuma's gold, not 
you know, more recent gold, like the Apache had stolen, you know, from the Spaniards who had stolen it from the Aztecs. So there's all this stealing going on, you know? Well, Wells Fargo casts and, and you know, letters and there's even the, a possibility of a, a, the older Spanish-Mexican uh, a father, LaRue, that did some actual mining and smelting up there. And also, you know, that was long before the, uh, the Apache around the Maximilian's time in Mexico. Lots of stuff. So much stuff, but spirit is the basis of all of it. And I said, unless we are approved of by the spirits, nothing is going to happen. This is why this one guy, he never could find the cave again because the spirits hid it from him. Now, I'm already in, in good position with those particular spirits, but I know that there's gold. Montezuma sent 8,000 men north with tons of treasure to keep it from the conquistadores, from Cortez and his men and their greed. Greed is the killer. And I think, well, greed may be tied in with the black snake for all I know. I don't know. I think that there's a lot to be said for that. But the thing is, I think that there is Montezuma sent his men to Idaho, to Utah, to you know, New Mexico, Arizona, and all these places have caves and they have underwater streams and rivers. And all of this is tied in with this. And those spirits are guarding this until the time is right. And I think it's all about timing. I mean, I think that that's an essential piece of it. So what do you think? So that's a, that, that brought together the, uh, the, the project or, or to actually take deep dive into some of these areas, either through the experience of other miners that have had, you know, strange experiences happen to them. Mm -hmm. And then personally, and then also uh, with interviews and and talking to some of the tribal elders, trying to get some background on some of their their history, some of that background. If we can find some of the elders, the older ones, where this has been passed down verbally to them, there hasn't been a break in it. Even if it is, some portion of it it, it can be enlightening. Some of it can be, you know, conjecture. But still, it's a very fascinating part of the history of, America, of, a, of a culture that we really don't have a handle on. And that's part of the project is bringing some of that to light. And we feel that uh, a lot of people, we find that very interesting and enlightening and, and, and would Learn enjoy learning about that. Yeah, yeah um, I am going to ask my audience, if anybody listening today either knows or knows someone who knows any Apache elders that would be willing to speak with me, I'm asking you to please email me, susan at susanharmon.com. Give me contact information. I want to very respectfully listen to the elders, hear what they have to say, and treat them with the respect they deserve. Uh, I think it's super important that we tell this in a way that's, that's always respectful and coming from a place of love and of sharing and of integrity and not look at, well, what can I make off of this? That's right. not our goal. Right. It's not, it's not to, well, let's find out some secrets and, and go find gold. It's to right. really honor that and bring it to light and respect that culture and that thinking and not, uh, not degrade it, which, uh, if you look for writings, unless they, unless people that have written this information have talked to tribal elders, if it's conjecture that, They've passed down from a different type of culture. You don't, can't buy into that. We just want to know what the Indian culture is, respect and honor that, and then how it's been experienced by other people out in the field. Right. So that, and and what I've seen so far is completely ignored. What anybody's spiritual views are. It's all about. I want to buy the gold. I want to get this. I want to get that. Get get get. And then I know was it in? I think it was in Utah where the divers said, I'm being choked out, I'm being choked out. Well, yeah, because you're down there with a bad heart, you know, with a mean mean intent. You're not a nice person. And the spirits know that. You can't fool the spirits. You can't fool them. And by bad heart, you meant not a bad heart. I don't mean physically. The intent. Your intention, intent. yeah. Right. Your intention is one of greed, and it's not one of love. And if... I mean, really, all of humanity right now has to be in this place of coming from love. And I love you. 
<laughs> you know, it's 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 really important for us to do. Um, you don't have to agree with everyone, but it doesn't hurt to love everybody. You know, well, listen, folks, we're almost at the end here uh, today with this. You will be hearing more from us. Uh, Steve and I are going to be doing putting some pieces onto uh, YouTube. Uh, some of the interviews I did are going to be edited. We're going to be doing more interviews. We're going to be talking to all kinds of people. And we'll be doing uh, a lot of those on uh, YouTube. And that will be coming up shortly. But until then, you guys to remember to keep on dancing. Welcome to the Vast Institute, a Taste of Original Thinking podcast. My name is Michelle Sherman, and we are here to discuss how you can become your more authentic and successful self and tap into the most delightful experience of life possible. At Vast, we offer fresh approaches and insights to share, and thus we call this series Original Thinking. Today's episode, Six Competencies to Thrive By, is dedicated to illuminating the competencies that, when practiced together, create a quality of life that is both deeply nourishing and currently beyond your imagination. That's what we mean by thrive. But first... What is original thinking? One of our favorite thought leaders, Albert Einstein, said, We cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking we used when we created them. We agree with Albert. Have you ever been stuck while trying to solve what seemed to be an intractable difficulty in your life? Our minds are like rivers. They flow where they have been before. Our vast curriculum is designed to liberate you from the unwanted limitations in the areas of self-awareness, professional development, leadership, relationship wisdom, emotional ease, creativity, and much, much more. People seek out the Vast Institute when they have gone as far as they can on natural ability alone. How does this work? Well, the secret sauce is practicing the six competencies that we are going to be discussing in today's episode. And so it is especially enjoyable for me to share these with you. Our Taste of Original Thinking podcast series examines both best hits from Vast's three decades of enriching the lives of personal and professional colleagues and creating phenomenal outcomes for our community. We also have guest original thinkers to share their unique beauty, brilliance, and wisdom. So today's episode is all about our six competencies. How did these competencies come to pass, you ask? The short version. Well, I started VAST in 1988, and probably by 1992, I had a client say, Hey, Michelle, I want to do what you do. It looks like a heck of a lot of fun, helping people become more happy with themselves and successful and expand their businesses and create wonderful outcomes for themselves, their colleagues in their community. And so as a leadership coach, I developed the personal integration model, and that is our coaching model, our holographic, interdisciplinary, spiritually-based coaching model that is our basis for our authenticity studies. A lot of our relationship work is in there. And when I did that personal integration model discussion with myself and kind of analyzed like what we were doing, what was being created for these clients and and creating these great outcomes through the self-wisdom and the quality of life phase, I analyzed what recurring gaps I saw in the skill sets of these competent, generous, and brilliant people that I coached. Guess what? I saw some patterns. And the six competencies address those gaps very specifically for those who choose to take responsibility for thriving in harmony with others, both personally and professionally. So, oh, fast forward. About 2017, 2018, the VAST advisory team requested clarification of our core competencies. And at that time, the six were honed and delivered. So the VAST curriculum is based on a holographic model where everything is interconnected. And so when you improve one area of your life, you impact the entire system. That's why we encourage people to Pick what competency they want to start with and practice and learn a little bit about that because it improves the entire system. The VAST Institute is an educational think tank and we're very excited to share the competencies because this is our goal to develop an intentionally thriving community 
helping improve people's outcomes as they enrich their lives through clarity about who they are, through their self-awareness, through their healthy relationships. And you'll hear about the specific competencies. But let me introduce you to them because these competencies have really improved the quality of my life and the quality of the lives of many, many other people. They are self-wisdom, cognitive replenishment, positive imagination, healthy relationships, socially intelligent leadership, and peace on earth. Allow me to explain how they build upon each other. So let me start with self-wisdom. The definition is becoming comfortable with one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Furthermore, to develop intentional self-awareness and apply that knowledge to construct a happy and healthy life. Self-wisdom is a wonderful thing, and most people are trained away from it. In becoming part of a family, and becoming part of a community, in subscribing to the things that we are born into, many of us learn how to be ourselves in ways other than genuine. And sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's just the roll of the dice, and sometimes we are not aware of it. But most people have to take a little bit of time to become aware of who they truly are. And that's what the self-wisdom phase of our work is about. Because what we found is it's not that you need to be perfect. None of us need to be perfect. What we need to be is whole, understand how to be in right relationship to every aspect of our ourselves, and how to be ourselves instead of being the person we created in order to adapt to circumstances we were born into or to cope because we were wise and we needed to make decisions and strategies that perhaps we've outgrown. So self-wisdom is lovely. And what I've discovered is that at the core of it, most of us myself and, and my clients and my friends and family members who we've had really honest conversations about some of these things, just really beautiful beings, most of us are afraid of who we truly are because we've been made to be afraid that that isn't good and kind and loving. So at the Vast Institute, we do believe that at the very core and essence of our being, we may be misguided, we may be misunderstood, we may not know how to be our best selves, but there is a magnificence inherent in all human beings that we would like to become more comfortable with and acknowledge through self-wisdom. Once we have self-wisdom, the next thing we can move into is healthy relationships, generating an environment where each person is free to learn, grow, and thrive. Now, I don't know about you, but relationships have been the most challenging area of my life. I don't need to go into details right now, but whether it was my family of origin issues or my confusion about what my rights were, or if I was abandoned or weren't abandoned, or were they narcissistic or weren't they narcissistic or was I narcissistic? <laughs> I mean, all of the uh, sifting of healthy interaction between other human beings was something that I needed to figure out on my own because I come from a very, very complicated family. Uneven parenting, loving parents, but uneven, and yes, and many, many aspects to them. So with that in mind, relationships become that which we build our we construct our world with uh, professional relationships, personal relationships, community relationships, relationships with family, relationships with, with spouses, relationship with lovers, relationships with neighbors. It's all relationships. And so learning about how to be in right relationship to ourselves and each other, that's what our healthy relationship curriculum is about. And it's important to know that we're all learning about this. When we get through and being in right relationship is about honoring people where they are and understanding how to have healthy boundaries. Those are the things we like to support people through. Then we get to cognitive replenishment, the intentional care and nourishment of your mind. It fosters enhanced problem solving through a regimen of self-care and healthy boundaries that elevate creativity and enliven your sense of well-being. Cognitive replenishment, when you have good relationships, is the opportunity for you to negotiate how to be creating outcomes that allow you to 
be nourished and to thrive. Remember in relationships we're talking about learn, grow, and thrive? Well, if you're wanting to thrive, then cognitive replenishment is about intentionally understanding how to work with your brain chemistry to make that happen and having problem-solving skill set that optimizes you getting your needs met in healthy ways. Then that moves into positive imagination because when you're replenished, you're able to be imagining things that are just lovely and nourishing and positive and cooperative and collectively enriching. You're able to think about the we, not just the me. And positive imagination is a hybrid of optimism and critical thinking. It generates enhanced outcomes in life as well as masterful insights from traditionally uncomfortable situations. Well, positive imagination is at the core of one of my favorite stories. And those of you who have read Kindling the Flame, our book on cognitive replenishment, know that one of my heroes is Commander Eugene Cernan in Last Man on the Moon. And I had the honor of meeting him. And when I asked him what he thought about their chances, and he said, we made the whole thing up. That's a paraphrase. Read the book. But really, positive imagination is about getting us from here to places we have not yet experienced that could be in our best interest. And that is the crux of the cultural transformation that we are going through right now. We're rethinking how we want to do everything, which leads us to socially intelligent leadership. And that's the capacity to direct, manage, and optimize human systems judiciously and empathetically for the benefit of all stakeholders. What that means is in business, win-win. If you do not have an understanding of what the benefit is for the other person on the other side of the transaction, I find it a little bit offensive that you would pursue it. Only because if there's a win in it for both people, it's sustainable. If there isn't, it is unsustainable. That's just the way it goes in many aspects of business relationships and being trustworthy, being able to count on people, knowing that you will renegotiate your word, understanding that people are human and they're not machines or tools of production that even under the worst of circumstances can be treated with respect and dignity. Those are the hallmarks of a socially intelligent leader. And whether it's leading a group of people into an entrepreneurial march or activists who really truly want to improve the world for themselves and their communities. We then move into the leadership peace, unfolds into the peace on earth. Imagining and experiencing peace on earth is evident, imminent, and our delightful birthright. You cannot create something unless you imagine it first. So join us and read the treatise, Peace on Earth, this afternoon. It's on our website, www.vastinstitute.com. And as a result of reading it, you will understand that you could create peace on earth right here, right now with us, and we would be honored if you would do so. What I want to say is we don't always know how things are going to turn out, but with these competencies, we do understand that life is good and that together we can make amazing things happen. We've built vast around a simple premise, what I do matters. This idea was created through original thinking and is not only our tagline, but reflects our commitment to personal responsibility as an empowering perspective. It guides us to take responsibility for the life we create and the impact we have on those around us. By acknowledging this, we can amplify our success and influence in the world. If you would like to become an original thinker, please join us, creating a quality of life beyond your imagination. Visit our website at www.vastinstitute.com where you can review our courses and subscribe to our newsletter, hear our podcasts, and uh, look at our blogs. We'll keep you informed of our latest offerings. We will speak with you soon. Thank you very much. Are you ready to become comfortable in your own skin? The Vast Institute's encouraging curriculum is designed to infuse your world with optimism and creative life solutions. Our four pillars of learning provide a holographic toolkit taking you to the next level. If you're ready to experience a quality of life currently beyond your imagination, call us at 206-935-7872 or visit our website at vastinstitute.com to discover how to enrich your life at work or play.